Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Marshall. And I'm Tim. This is the first time <laughs> that I've ever got to do this. I think the entire time. There was once or twice where I like I, I made a play at like interrupting you as you were doing it. Yeah. But but you just slid that paper over to me. Yeah, I, I don't know what hit me. I just You're just in a mood. Just feeling wild and spontaneous, and I thought <laughs> I'm gonna throw the intro page. Over to Marshall. Awesome. I'm going to hold on to it. I'll do the outro too. Oh, well, we'll hey, see. In for we'll a, see. In for a penny, in for a pound, right? So. Yeah, if I if I allow for it, we'll see. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and that is the exact same piece of paper that we used on day one. It's so true. In the upstairs radio room. Yeah. When we used to have to put our coats on. <laughs> to record in the early days of covid in like in this is like, before covid oh right because it was like january february right and we had to be careful which coats we wore <laughs> because they picked up on the microphone right if they were like the silky vinyl ones yeah like, <laughs> we have like our hats on and and we're like this is gonna be awful in the summer <laughs> Little did we realize the whole world was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Then we were podcasting with plexiglass between us for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, all the joys. But we've been in this room for, for a bit now. This yeah. has been our home for the majority of this ride anyways. I, I would say we've been in this room for about a year and a half. That it? it hasn't been more? Didn't we do the entire history podcast in here? Maybe not. I thought I think we started here during the uh, during the catechism. But okay. I could be wrong. Maybe could be maybe wrong. we did. Maybe I we don't did. know. Who knows? Anyways, it feels like home now. We've got this. I don't even know what this is. It's not a poster. It's like a. It's not a blanket either. It's like a fabric landscape of a mountain and a forest. These that are the things on the side of the wall. These are the things that college students find and hang on their walls. Yeah. It was hung here by Sam, who was a college student, who was a college student, and <laughs> uh, Addison. That's right. Um, it well, looks it looks very college student. It it does. Um, I I've never been a fan, but that's because I'm a long time removed from being a college student. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it lives there for now. Anyways, we're not going to take it. Where what would we do with it, anyways? And honestly, it I don't know. Does it add beauty to the room? Does it, does <laughs> because, it spark joy? Because it spark, does this spark joy? Because like this room is like probably one of the more depressing rooms in this church. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It's, it is very gray. <laughs> it is very gray. Yeah. This was my office actually when I first started working for the mm-hmm. church, and uh, now we now we put the interns in here. And then half the time they choose to work in the library or some other more aesthetically pleasing room because obviously beauty matters. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know we we made the little poke at the whole spark joy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marie Kondo. Right? Where do you think where do you think that idea fits into some of what we've been talking about mm. about things, material things, sparking joy? Do you think there's any value in that? Analyzing what's in your house and do you keep it or not? By does it spark joy? Well, Tim. I would like to answer that question in a way that is not deeply colored by my present experience. But when you have toddlers, mm-hmm. there are many things in your house that might spark joy for them that don't spark as much joy for you. Right. We have a lot of stuff. We we have like we have a lot of stuff that comes into our house and, and nothing that goes out of our house right now. Right. So I would be I mean, right now too, we're we're, it's not even really our house. It's a bit of an interesting s- setup. But even even where we were before, like personally, um, you could easily throw away half or more of the things that I own, and I would be a happier man. But mm-hmm. but that's just not the way it works when you got a family. I know. And, and here's what's going to happen to you too. Um, they're going to build attachments to them and even when they grow out of them and they don't want to play with those toys anymore Mm. they're still very special to them and they have these memories attached to them we had this little shopping cart it was it was a pretty great toy right like it was solid metal construction shopping cart and um 
our kids stopped playing with it like maybe four years ago. Okay. Um, like last year we were like, let's just sell this thing on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And kids are like, you're going to sell a shopping cart? <laughs> like it comes up to your knees, you know? I think we even had the conversation, let's just give it to Ayla, right? Like we're just mm-hmm. like, this is more for someone like they're like not having it. Right. Not having it. <laughs> That's hilarious. The, the worst ever. This this is loosely tied. Like the Spark Joy conversation, We I think we should have. It, it might have been better off in the first episodes, but. Sure. It's okay. Everybody's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The worst ever. Lindsay, we had too much furniture toys. Too many furniture toys. Right? Mm-hmm. I find, at least in our situation, girls come with more furniture toys than boys do. Because you have kitchen sets and you have uh, the various kinds of like things that like cradles for babies, baby dolls and stuff like that. Um, So there are all these furniture toys that come with having little girls and it was just too much. Right. Yeah. Too much. I feel that. I feel that very strongly. And so, so our girls are probably like four and six and we're in... Uh, we're in Toronto and, and we're taking a chance. Mm. We're taking a chance because um, the kids had never seen Toy Story. Okay. And we know that Toy Story <laughs> is a gut-wrenching, sad movie. It, there, Yeah, there are definitely those But moments. for whatever reason, we decide we're going to watch Toy Story. Okay. And the toys start getting mistreated because the kids growing up and all that kind of stuff and we're watching it and the kids are, they're okay, but they're a little on edge. Doorbell rings, and there's this stranger standing there. I'm like, can I help you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm here for that baby doll high chair. Oh, okay. And I was like, okay. And Lindsay's like, oh shoot, I forgot that I told them that I was that they could come pick that up today. So I went and grabbed it and carried it through to give to them. And the kids already in this Toy Story <laughs> tragedy mindset. Watch their toys go out the door. <laughs> it was not pretty. Oh we didn't, no, we did not finish the movie. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think I think things spark joy. Like ob- there, there are definitely objects that you know have a certain amount of emotional significance. Mm-hmm. I think right. That, you know, there's things that are aesthetically beautiful and then there's things that have a sense of beauty to them because they cause us to remember good things, good times, right? So they can spark joy that way. Mm-hmm. Like I have little, and you you have the same thing and I kind of copied you off of this, but little kind of like trinkets and mementos on my bookshelves in my office. Right. Things that just kind of remind me of meaningful seasons in my life, right? So, you know, I've got stuff from when I used to, you know, compete as a kickboxer and, and because it was a time when I, you know, I invested a lot of time and energy into that and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And there's a part of me that grieves not being able to do it anymore at the moment. But, uh, mm-hmm. but those, those objects still, they, you know, they spark joy and they, they, you know, remind me of something that is, you know, that was a beautiful thing. Yeah. I, I've got a yellow Telecaster that's, mm. uh, it's a good guitar. Sounds good. It's not an amazing guitar. Sure. It's got things about it that I'd love to change, but can't. Um, I would probably, as far as just the technicality of a guitar, be happier with it, just selling it and replacing it with one like it, but better. Uh, but when I got it, it was someone had tried to do a thing with it and it didn't work. Mm. And it looked a mess. And so I got it pretty cheap. Um, and when I, when I painted it, uh, for whatever reason, I was feeling nostalgic for my dad's Chevy pickup when I was growing up. So he had like okay. this 83. Mm. It was yellow on the top and on the bottom and had this white stripe running yeah. through the middle of it. Yeah. Um, and a white hood. Nice. Not a white hood, a white roof, the cab. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the cabs were white and the stripes down the side and mm. then they had color. Uh, his was, was yellow, long brown bench seat three on the column yeah uh had an eight track player in it (laughs) uh amazing and i i used to like very vivid memories of riding in the back of this down the highway Mm -hmm. on my way to like t-ball practice okay um i remember being in those jerseys in the arkansas heat and there was the old like iron on uh numbers that would were the vinyl that 
would just peel off if you put them in the dryer or whatever, right? Right. And I remember leaning back against those bench seats and then leaning forward and listening to that, <laughs> right? And just, I, I'm so nostalgic for that truck. Sure. And And I would just happen to be at Rona and they had, uh, by the way, this podcast is not sponsored by Rona. Um <laughs> In case someone thought that was product it's placement, not sponsored by anyone. Uh, and Despite our efforts, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I saw this can of paint that was just like the color, right, right. And so it's got a, a white pit guard. I painted it that color yellow. It's all banged up like the truck was, right, right. Uh, and and for that, that truck just represents like me and my dad mm. driving down the road to t-ball practice That's in the back cool. of that pickup. Oh, I love that. Um, and it's it's special to me that way, yeah. right? And I would rather play that than a better guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Given the opportunity just for those reasons. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Also, just side comment, 1980s cars, disgusting. 1980s pickup trucks, beautiful. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why that happened. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Feel free to tell me I'm wrong. But uh, that's my that's my view of 1980s personal mm-hmm. vehicles. Yeah. DeLorean? No. <laughs> gross i mean the wing the gullwing doors is cool but like that's the only thing it's it, the only thing that makes that car cool is the fact that it was in back to the future that's right <laughs> that's it right no one would remember that car if it wasn't yeah, no my parents had a cool car from the 80s when i was a kid they had an 87 mustang it's probably like the worst version of mustang that it was ever made yeah but they <laughs> had those five liter v8s in them right like those five it was a tiny little turbo car 5.0s and those things could run yeah my mom used to put the three of us in the seat, in the back seat. Like you'd have to like, because it was just a two door, right? So you have to like flip up the front seat and go in the back. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she got car seats back there. But back then you also didn't need car seats for as long. You weren't in a car seat till you were, you know, taking your SATs. You were, right. <laughs> you know, you were out of it by the time you could learn to read. But anyways, sorry, I, we were totally off topic. But Yeah. But you know what? Topic sparked joy. Mm. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. So... Beautiful things is what we've been talking about. Is mm-hmm. is the Christian worldview uh, something that is desirable, even if it is logical? Right. Mm-hmm. We spent the whole first bit of the year. Is it logical? Uh, arguing for yes. Uh, now arguing is it desirable? And in in part in the arguing is it desirable? We've we've had to defend whether or not desirable is even a good measure. Mm-hmm. Does it matter that things are desirable? I think we've spent the first front end of this podcast saying it does. Yeah, just right? from personal experience. Things yeah. that, physical things that are themselves meaningless mm-hmm. can represent something special. Yeah. And they can be, a, they can be beautiful and they can mm-hmm. bring us joy. Yeah. Obviously, the disclaimer, if they can go too far and you can get into materialism and the creator becomes worshipped above the, or the creation becomes worshipped above the creator. Sure. Yes. Blah 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 blah. We we've, get it. We've ha- we've hammered that nail <laughs> long enough. We're yeah. denting the wood around it at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but someone might be listening for the first time, so it, it needs to be mentioned. Sure. Today, we want to we want to go a little deeper into something that we a topic we broached, I think in the last episode or the episode before. But I'm pretty sure it's the last episode. Um, and and that's the notion that sometimes people look at processes. And they say, this, this isn't beauty, this isn't artistic creation, it's physical or chemical process, we can map it out. Mm. There, are phys- there are laws of physics, there is the quantum mechanic, right. and, and so everything else is just sort of like bound by that. This isn't about art and beauty. It's right. just about frequencies and uh, receptors, right? <laughs> right. Right, right, and right. and so there are visible frequencies, there are audible frequencies. Mm-hmm. We have the capacity to receive these things, and that's all. That's all it really is. It's not about beauty. Today, we want to argue not only can those things that we receive be beautiful, which I think we've done. Mm-hmm. Right, God gives us the capacity to receive these things, and we we receive them as beautiful. Uh, but even the laws themselves, right. Are a beautiful thing. Yeah, the thing, the things behind those things we find beautiful, or the means by which we can perceive those things. The right, the, or the beauty f- of math. Yeah, which yeah. is not a thing that I would push for usually because I'm not a numbers guy. Yeah, neither am I. Like I was, I was into math up until we got deep into algebra, like grade eleven. 
mm-hmm. uh, or my junior year for our American listeners. That's kind of when I was like, nah, I'm, I'm kind of done with math. Like I did it. I did it to the end of high school, but like, I don't know why I did. Yeah. It was my poorest class by far in, in my last two years of high school. Yeah. The only real advanced courses, the advanced credit courses that we had in my high school when I, when I was there uh, were math classes. Mm-hmm. So I took math through calculus one. Okay. Um, but I hated it. Yeah. 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 I did like advanced functions and, uh, -hmm. just not my, just not my thing. Um, yeah. But stats, I'm good with stats. I love stats. Yeah. Patterns. Yeah. Patterns are, are interesting thing. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about different kinds of, uh, governing laws Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what, what's the first one you want to get into? First kind of governing law. Um, so... (laughs) It's it, maybe it's not so much a law, but it's it's a it's a part of math that impacts the way we view and understand things, and it's geometry, mm-hmm. right? So I guess there are laws involved in in geometry, um, right? Some of them aren't as so fun. You need special calculators, you know, the sin, cos, tan thing. Mm-hmm. I I I I literally that's one thing that like. I definitely do not remember at all, and I'm perfectly content with that. Yeah, but it's a sine, cosine, and tangent. But yeah, I learned it in French. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, see, you played the French card there. Yeah. So I learned That's, my math. I learned see, my math and sciences in French. See, and there I tried to one up you. Yeah. And, and then, you just sort of like dropped the hammer. Yeah. So I that reminds me. I, this is a tip for our listeners. Um, I heard someone say one time. Uh, if ever you're stuck on a word that you should remember that everyone else knows and you feel stupid, <laughs> instead of outing yourself and being like, why can't I think of this word? You should just say, I can never remember that what the English word for that is. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you look smarter for not being able to think of what the word is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, so... So the thing with geometry, you know, beyond just there, you know, it is gov- it is a it is a part of mathematics that is governed by laws, right? Mm-hmm. Angles and shapes and and uh, you know relative lengths um, of various sides of various shapes and, and all of that. So it's very it's very mathematical, mm-hmm. but it's also the means by which you know we receive art, and even to a degree, although it's irregular geometry even the natural order the way we perceive it we kind of we can group it into kind of shapes that we're familiar with right right and there are certain shapes that are you know more or less aesthetically pleasing in different contexts um but but this idea of kind of geometry and in the way that shapes can be used um is is really is really interesting that that not only is the kind of the order of it all kind of beautiful, right? Like you think of um, Le Théorème de, Pic- de Pythagore, right? Of course, you know that in French, right? <laughs> uh, Pythagorean's theorem. Um, you right? Like the, just kind of the orderliness of it, right? That it always works this way. This is what it is. It's always mm-hmm. this, right? There is a sense of, of beauty in the stability of that. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's just this. It, I, I'm perfectly fine with anyone being like this is this is like childlike, just being in awe at things like that. A triangle, all three sides always come together, mm-hmm. and that the internal uh, angles always, always 180 add up to 180. Yeah, and that if you know two of them, you know what the third one is. Right, right, yeah. and 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 even like. That was the one part from geometry that I remember really loving was just being given a litany of triangles and being like, we're only going to give you part of the information. You get the length of a side and two angles, right? right? Or whatever. And just knowing that's all I need. Right. Because if these angles exist, the other angle has to be this. And if you have those two angles, there's only so long that that line can be. And if it's going to touch the other one, can't be out of whack it has to be this or this right Mm -hmm. this and this Mm -hmm. for the other two sides and just just watching that puzzle come together every time yeah it almost makes me wish i had a ti-95 right now and i could sit and do my (laughs) my uh triangle geometry right it's just it's just in a very childlike way it is a a fascinating thing to just Mm -hmm. watch it come together over and over again Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. uh circles spheres the radius uh, you know, pi and all that, how, how it just works. Mm-hmm. 
every time. Yeah. And yeah. it's a beautiful thing. And even even when you get natural geometry that in some ways comes out in perfect ways that it shouldn't. Oh, yeah. That's always a cool thing. Like too. when you see the sea cliffs that are squared. Yeah. In, in those, uh, where is that? The Giant's Causeway yes. in Northern Ireland. They're hexagons, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, but there's just like thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And it has to do with the way that the, that particular kind of rock, I think it's basalt, I could be wrong, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, forms, right? And it's along the, the, you know, the North Sea, so it's, you know, the water temperature and all that stuff. But like, it's just amazing. But just the play on geometry with it, like, obviously, I've never, well, not obviously, but I've never been there. I yeah. know about it because yeah. it's mind-boggling. It's crazy. Wombat poop? What's wombat? Cubes. No way. What? Okay, wait, I got to Google this. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Is this going to be one of those things where you're like, did you know lemmings mm-hmm. run off a cliff and they actually don't? Yeah. <laughs> but. Bro, that's wild. Huh. Squared edges. Interesting. Shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> I hope. Why am I looking at poop right now? I hope all of our listeners are Googling right now. (laughs) Wombat poop. Wombat poop. In case anyone's listening on speakers in their uh, home right now, Alexa, show me pictures (laughs) of wombat poop. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, That is great. Uh, That's wild. But yeah, just the presence and the disruption of geometry mm-hmm, are just mm-hmm. these really interesting things that happen naturally. Mm-hmm. We form them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the laws become their own kind of thing. It's one of the first things we teach children, mm. right? We've all seen the toys where you have the different shapes that have to go into uh, into the bucket mm-hmm. through the lid based on, you know, matching the shapes, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, that's a good... That's a good place to start. I think the other thing too that's related to geometry, but will also maybe serve as a as a, maybe a bridge between geometry and kind of more general math is the idea of symmetry mm-hmm. and beauty. Um, so, you know, are are you a symmetry decorator or are you an asymmetric <sighs> decorator? I know you don't get into whole design and decoration, but I'd say. Well, if I look at my office, it's tough, right? Because I kind of placed the bookshelves where they had to go. But the one major wall is fairly symmetrical. Mm-hmm. You've got the shelves there, the the painting, whatever, in the middle. So I guess I, I lean probably more towards symmetry, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, that, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely that's definitely where I, where I lean. Um, but yeah, no, there is there is the. I mean, there are times sometimes when symmetry seems almost garish, right? Like there is that, there's some right. people who find it that way, yeah, but, yeah. but even things, I remember learning, um, well, I remember learning that this is a, f- a football fact where they, so one of the key, um, one of the key indicators objectively for human beauty, like for facial beauty is symmetry, face symmetry. That's mm-hmm. what they say, right? It just kind of tends to be right. People with more symmetrical faces are perceived as being more attractive. And they did this really interesting study this is kind of a side thing, but everything N- today is a side thing. NFL quarterbacks have a much higher degree of facial symmetry than any other position on the field. Wow. Because when you're six, even though nobody realizes it, when you're on the playground and you're just a little kid, the pretty boy gets the ball. It's just how it go- <laughs> it's just how it goes. And you know what? Quarterbacks are generally the pretty That's boys. That's just how yeah. it goes. Right. And so, and so it's just, it's from, it's from a very early age that this thing is just set up. So, anyways, I just thought that was a neat Yeah. He becomes the fact. popular kid, the one that everyone wants to play with, he be liked. He throws the ball. Huh. Yeah. I it's like, like a demonstrably proven thing. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So it, your linebackers look like, ooh, <laughs> those quarterbacks are like, mo- like Tom Brady's like a model, right? Right. Like, right. And then, but you, when you, t- you talk about like the human face, the human body and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. you, you look at art behind it, mm. right? And artists measure these things, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. where the eyes sit on the face is not just at random mm-hmm. on the head, mm-hmm. right? Or the, the ears, right? Like we, we would tend to put the ears a little higher on the head, but they actually sit dead center, hmm. right? Um, and so just becoming an artist is, is learning how to measure some of these things. Mm. And, and some of the... Some of the struggle 
that people have in in learning art and appreciating it. People don't want to learn art. Yeah. In a lot of cases, no, I, yeah, they're, I they're just like it's because it's not a science; it's art, mm-hmm. and you're just talented, and you just feel it, and right. you just do it. Either you have it or you don't. Right. Which really is just lazy. <laughs> Right, it's saying I don't understand it. I didn't study it. I didn't realize I had to study it, and I don't want to study it. Right. right? Um, so, but but in art, there's there's so much math in just understanding how the face lays out mm. and laying it out accordingly. Hmm. Right, matching the symmetry, putting things where they belong. There's a whole math to how long the arms are of the person that you're drawing, um, hmm. and and that symmetry is in and of itself, what we come to receive as beautiful. And when it's broken, it's off. It, it's upsetting. Mm-hmm. Even, even if we would say, like, hold on, hold on. Like, we're a long way away from calling the hunchback of Notre Dame the monster because of his hunched back. Sure, sure. Right? But we have to work to get there. Right? Yep. You have to teach your kids not to stare. Right. And... You have to, we have to, we've had to teach society mm-hmm. these people still operate as people and mm-hmm. stop treating them differently. Right, right. Why? Because it's naturally the breaking of that symmetry, which is a thing that we had to work through consciously. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? It's true. Uh, and, and, and the same thing shows up, like I was saying, in our visual art. Mm-hmm. We have to match these things in, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about laws of music, right? Sure. That's on your list, so yep. I'll uh, save a, I'll save my music one. Yeah, we'll say we'll save that for yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that before we get into the gov- the governing laws and. Mm-hmm. But uh, so so symmetry also is very connected to the idea of mathematics, right? right? So the beauty of math, right? The idea that like you can actually get pleasure. Like this is maybe not so much me, but people who are deep into math, they get pleasure that comes from kind of the the abstract nature of it or the simplicity or the depth or the order of mathematics. And just we've been talking about symmetry, like when you're finding equations, the, 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 all of these various equations that we seek to kind of understand that um, tell us how different forces are working in the universe are all centered around an equal sign. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is you're trying to find a balance between right. two things on either side of that equal sign. And it's by through those, you know, like E equals MC squared, just to, use, to grab the easiest one that people know. It's about finding that symmetry and balance that's at the heart of all that we understand about the universe. Right. So it's just, yeah. that, there's a beauty to that. There's a simplicity to that that pe- resonates with people. And it's, it's one thing to be able to do that with uh, something that is... Maybe maybe we would want to call it a social construct. Mm. Like, what is a meter, right? I, I think right. there's there's a temperature controlled rod of titanium in the Louvre, I, uh, the Louvre in, in France, mm-hmm. uh, that is officially this That's is the, the meter? this is the global measure of a meter. That's amazing. Um, I didn't know that. And that it would be temperature controlled because metal expands, <laughs> like, expands yeah. and contracts. Yeah, uh, and, and so. You you could look at something like that, and you could be like, okay, so the mathematical formulas, mathematical formulas that we use. If you want to say six plus six equals twelve, mm. right? Is that a beautiful thing, or did we kind of invent six and six and and mm. and twelve? And maybe, but yet then you watch something like E equal MC squared come mm. into play, mm-hmm. and you're like, the world, our whole universe, can be calculated. Mm-hmm. by these things. Yeah. And and what for thousands and thousands and thousands of years people are just sort of going about their business mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden someone starts seeing a pattern. Mm-hmm. Um rain man kind of things, right? right? right like right. all of a sudden these things start just sort of coming together and uh and we start putting numbers to it and measuring things and coming up with standards of measures and all of a sudden we're mind blown realizing like math is not a social construct. It's not a thing that we've invented. It's something we've observed. Right. And so much of our world can be not only qualitatively measured mm-hmm. by I enjoy it or I don't enjoy it, but quantitatively measured. And we realize there's just so much order and purpose to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, have you, I'm sure you've seen those videos 
that uh, are always on the social media reels for like OCD people, right? oh, yeah, where you just yeah. have someone pour a perfect circle pancake, right? <laughs> yeah. Perfectly browned, like no, uh, no adjustment or whatever. And it's right. just very satisfying. <laughs> My favorite are the ones that where they're doing that perfect thing and then, they wreck and it. then someone wrecks it right at the, right at the very end. <laughs> and the perfect box of crayons. And then there's one missing. <laughs> the right? best one, the, the absolute best one, Tim, is in reference to something you talked about like 10 minutes ago. That bucket with the different shapes mm-hmm. and the different blocks that go in each shape. They, they all fit. They all fit in the square hole. This one goes in the square hole and then, with the rectangle one. Which one does it go in? There's like another person mirrored and they're like, the rectangle hole. He's like, that goes in the square hole. And then the, like the cylinder and like all the all the pyramid, they all go in the square hole. And the, the OCD person's losing their mind kind yeah. of off screen, like yeah. just then, really struggling. Like, right, it goes in the square right so our, our poor listeners like it, unless they know what, what the kind of thing we're talking this is about, a very visual episode totally lost oh it's good it's good yeah. um yeah and it's funny so when talking about math um just kind of wrap up this kind of thing i, I was watching this this um short little video by a guy named frank uh vilchek i'm gonna go with vilchek he won a, a Nobel prize um, for physics and uh, he talks about the beauty of physics and um, he figured out something called the strong interaction force which is like essentially how like atoms are held together like they're not held together through gravity or electromagnetism but the equation he found and I wish I, I didn't put it down in my notes but it's also very like fairly simple in the same way like E equals MC squared is like actually relatively simple mm-hmm. right oh, is that a pun relative Oh, no, but I wish, well, yeah, no, no pun intended, <laughs> but you know what? The Lord is sovereign. And uh, yeah, anyways. Um, so yeah, and what he was talking about is he said, he said one of the things that he finds really compelling about many of these kind of foundational physical laws that govern the universe is that they are relatively simple. And he says oftentimes when... Um, when they're seeking to kind of determine, okay, how does this force work or how do we quantify this phenomenon or whatever? He says, not always, but oftentimes it's the more, your best bet is the the simple one, the simple way of understanding it. And he said, there's just beauty in that simplicity and in that equilibrium, the symmetry and all of that. So I found that really not a believer from, from what I can tell, but he did write a a book called the beauty of physics. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I found that really, yeah, it was it was an interesting idea, right? That there's aesthetic quality, he would even say. There's an aesthetic quality to the correct equations that govern the universe. Right. So All right. About, okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Why don't we talk about music, Tim? Okay. I love talking about music. I know you do. Yeah. Music is just the manipulation of sound waves, mm-hmm. measurable frequencies, right? And if you want to get super nerdy and destroy your favorite songs and all that kind of stuff. You can just say like, these are just quantifiable frequencies. Mm-hmm. Concert pitch, the, the A note, I think it's A4 on a piano, um, in Western music is 440 megahertz. And everything else gets tuned off of 440 megahertz. Sometimes you'll have... Uh, symphony conductors who just want it to be pitched a little bit higher okay. because pitching it a little bit higher makes it feel brighter and okay. more lively. Okay. Um, basically, though, you're just vibrating the air at a slightly higher speed. Okay. That's why... Um, th- this is why con- uh, orchestras tune to each other instead of using, like, a tuner. Right. Right? Yeah, so, so, like, in... On a Sunday morning, we're getting ready for church. Mm-hmm. We all throw a tuner on our guitars. What we're doing is measuring our frequencies, right? right. So 440 megahertz is an A. If you want to go up an octave, you just double that. 880 megahertz is another A, but at an octave. 220 is what your bass guitar is Gonna, or your baritone guitar is going to tune to, and 110 is what your bass guitar is going to tune to. What? Yeah. Actually, though? It's all just math. Well, I know it's all math, but I didn't realize that it was that simple. Mm-hmm. It was just an octave is double. Yeah, and that's why you can play a bass note A mm-hmm. and a, an open A on a guitar, 
and they're going to be in frequency with each other, one is just going to hit twice for every time the other one, or three times for every time the other one hits. The, the, like if you look right, at the, right, the right, wave going yeah. up and down. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so that's, that's right. the physics of how we do sine, sound waves. Right. And then we can, we can manipulate those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for instance, if you have a distortion pedal... Mm-hmm. On a guitar, if you're listening to rock and roll music and you hear like those loud, distorted guitars, mm-hmm. all they do is where the wave you've we've all seen the sound waves that just go up and just sort of flow really nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, it just creates an artificial ceiling and floor, okay, so that when it goes up, it just can't go up any higher, and it cuts it off, okay, and then it has to pick back up on the way down, mm. but it leaves just that bit of space, and there's just a quick little. Uh, of an interrupt okay. in every little bit of the wave and, and it just comes across as a distortion. It. That's a distortion pedal, wow. right? It just doesn't give it the space it needs to produce all of the frequency mm-hmm. and how much we choose to squeeze that floor and ceiling is just how much distortion we want right. until we can make the wave square, mm. which is what you're getting into when you have synthesizers, right? Right. The synthesized music can, can have things like square waves and sine waves, and we can manipulate the shape of the wave, not only the frequency of the wave, in order to make all of these sounds. That's cool. So there's, there's this beautiful mathematical weirdness mm-hmm. of music that I kind of get into a little bit mm-hmm. that is very nerdy. Well, my thing too is like, so I'm always fascinated. I think it's because of my upbringing, like growing up with like, my dad singing like in barbershop quartets, like mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with vocal harmonies. Vocal harmonies tickle something in my brain. Like I just can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Like give me the acoustic acapella, whatever stripped yeah. down version of any song with multiple vo- vocalists singing parts. And I'm going to prefer it almost a hundred percent of the time. And, but like the idea that like our brains recognize how certain, how these different waves fit together. Mm-hmm. Right, in ways that are either that either work or don't. Right, like oh that note works with this note. Oh, it doesn't work with that note though. Right, or it would work with that note if this note is also present. Like it's that stuff like that, man. That's just like right. And so when you when you have a when you have a note playing, there are sympathetic frequencies mm-hmm. that can be excited with it. And every note, or especially a chord, a chord is going to have a minimum of Wait, does it have, two is, or three. Does it have to do with like common denominators of those same frequencies? Mm-hmm. What? Right. And so, Bro, okay, and so when, you're, sense, when you're singing in harmonies or yeah. when you're making chords, all you're doing is taking those sympathetic frequencies mm-hmm. and actually playing them mm-hmm. so that they're not just sympathetically there, right. they're actively present. Mm-hmm. And so you're just sort of bringing it out a little bit. Right, in the same way that you add salt, and not only do you have the flavor of the salt, but it also brings out other flavors with it. It's the same thing. So when we play a chord instead of a note, we're mm-hmm. just actively bringing in those sympathetic frequencies that our brain just goes, "That works together," right? And and sometimes we bring in things that are just a little bit off, mm-hmm. and it just grabs our attention. Right? That's where you have things like in in jazz, right. something that's just like. It's off, but it's not wrong. It's calculated to be off, right? Either in pitch or in tone, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so, one of, one great example of this. I'm I'm going off the top of my head here. It's the intro to Scar Tissue by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, right. You can probably play that in your head a little bit. John Frusciani genius of a guitar player does this thing it's just it just grabs you when it comes on you know the song and all that kind of stuff yep apparently one of the reasons people have a hard time rebuilding that song is because his b string is a little bit out of tune because there was just he was playing it it wasn't exactly right but it just felt good Hmm. and so he went with it right and which is very john frusciante very john frusciante (laughs) Uh, and, and so, so calculated, not always calculated, but sometimes, sometimes we talk about playing from feel, mm-hmm. you have that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of new music is done by producers that are using, uh, digital audio workstations. Right. And so all of the music is set to a click. 
so it hits exactly yeah. on beat it's every time perfect every yeah. drum beat is perfect mm-hmm. right you go back and listen to our favorite people the heroes that everyone's trying to recreate from the 60s and 70s and you throw a click on it and it's not great mm-hmm. you know we, we talk about this in church like we've talked about so many times as a staff do we want to start using clicks in worship mm-hmm. and we're like no because sometimes the chorus gets really big and we speed up yeah because it feels right to speed up yeah and i don't care that we're no longer playing at yeah. 100 and 20 beats per minute, mm-hmm. right? Yep. If we if we speed up to 125, 130 beats per minute, the click is going to stay static and we're going to be ahead of it and it's going to cause more problems up. than it solves, yeah. Right, but it just feels good to be a little bit off there and so we allow the emotion to kind of take us into that. Right. But it's all about calculated diversions from the patterns and then coming back into the patterns and Music is just brilliant in that way. Mm. That in, in some ways, it's just the most natural thing. Mm-hmm. But then you you put a math problem to it, and you're just like, wow, it's it stands up to that too. Yeah, it's so cool. It's cool. That's neat. Well, beyond just kind of like the natural laws and mathematical laws, because we're we're talking about just kind of the the beauty of laws in general. We can talk about moral law, mm-hmm. right? Biblical law. Um, you know, those other laws that kind of govern morality, right? And there's, you know, there's kind of, you know, they can be more or less general. Um, one, one little brief passage I want to read briefly here, just because um, it actually picks up where we left off in Psalm 19 last week when we were talking about the beauty of creation, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. In verse 7, it begins by saying, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord, uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So that is how David understands the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. That it is perfect, pure, that it is it is desirable. More like more desired than gold and more and sweeter than honey. Right? And so this is the way that scripture talks about the law, right? As being something that is genuinely beautiful and desirable and that i think to a lot of people even to some christians is going to feel like an out of place kind of comment yeah i most people i think we see law as restrictive Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um you're not allowed to go outside of the law Mm -hmm. and so who would ever like or appreciate a law Mm -hmm. right who needs who needs that restriction what that it is a beautiful thing to succumb to or worship a lawgiver. We're not going to get into that'll be the next episode. Yep. Uh, but I think, and, and I talked about this, uh, it, it'll be a few Sundays past now, even in the word Torah, right? We're, we're using Ian Valancourt's um, book Progress to, of Redemption. Pro, yeah. Uh, Wait, no. No, some. The Dawning of Redemption. Dawning of Redemption. And uh, and he talked about how the instruction is the is maybe the the better term. Yeah, he makes a big point of that in our Hebrew class. Yeah, and 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 what it what it can do in that is is change the way that we look at it, not so much as a restriction, mm-hmm. but as a way of seeing things. Right. Right. As a, as an aid in seeing things, and this is something that I think is universally true across humanity that we appreciate or want for these things, we understand the value of them. Mm. Even if we claim we don't, right. there's, there is no such thing as a true anarchist. No, of course not. Because any anarchist who would say, you'd be like, well, I see you're wearing an anarchy shirt. Why? Well, because I'm an anarchist. Why are you an anarchist? Because I think that, whoa, hold on. Are you about to establish a pattern and an order by which people should follow? 
<laughs> right, right, right. Enforcing the abolishment of a pattern is a pattern unto itself. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's a very, anarchy is a very self-defeating principle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked about it a little bit last time, right? Like punk music, when it came onto the scene in the 70s, mm-hmm. um, the, the idea was we're tired of the laws of genre and what it means for things to be particular kinds of genre. We're going to step completely out of the box and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you think it sounds like chaos mm-hmm. because I'm done with your laws. Mm-hmm. But what constitutes punk music became very strict. Oh, yeah. Right? Punk snobs. And then you, and That's then by not the real punk. Right. And by the time you get to the end of the 90s, you have left coast punk versus east coast punk. Yeah. And you have UK has a different punk scene with an right. entirely different sound. Right. Melodic right. punk. Is it punk or is it pop music? Right. Right. right? And all That's, of these. The vocalist is too good for it to be punk. Right. <laughs> they, 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 they don't have bad pitch, so it can't be punk music. Right. Right. <laughs> and so. Yeah, and so the difference between these right. bands becomes yeah. very clear, and no, and yeah. it doesn't even count as punk music. It's it's hilarious. So here's a, a, an amazing story for you. In the '90s, there was this punk band out of Buffalo. Okay, if, if you know your punk genres, East Coast punk, um, which is just really raw, not very melodic at all. Okay, right, just dr- driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, East Coast Punk usually has, the albums would be tons of very short songs. So you have like 20 songs on an album, but they're all like a minute and a half to two minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And they decide just for a joke, in the middle, the very middle of this album, they're going to throw in an acoustic ballad just because the most punk thing you can do is to rebel against the rebellion, right? right? And they throw it in there. And a DJ, a local DJ hears it, throws it on a pop station. The song explodes and they're kicked out of the punk scene. They can't even get a gig at CBGB, which in New York is like the (laughs) punk punk venue uh, around. And they, they were mainstays there, right? And they lost their careers until they were just like, we, we have to pay the bills. We're going to have to write more ballads. Okay. Yeah. And it's the Goo Goo Dolls. No way. When they came out with name, wow. it, it ruined their career because they were a punk band. And every other song on that album is just this driven East Coast punk. Yeah. But they broke the rhythm of it. They broke the mold. They end up getting like losing all of their fandom. That's wild. And so in the early 2000s, they came out with like Iris and Black Balloon oh, and that yeah. whole album, uh, which was more melodic. Because they needed to pay the bills. But if you listen to their albums, if you if you buy a Goo Goo Dolls album, you'll find that those songs are exceptions yeah. to what it is they're trying to do. John, what's the John Rzeznik or whatever? Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, he did all the music for uh, Treasure Planet, which was one of my favorite Disney movies <laughs> when I was a kid. Anyway, sorry, that's neat. Well, you know what? But anyway, I'm glad the punks kicked him out because I love their alternative rock stuff. Yeah. So yeah. so anyway, <laughs> I, I don't even know how we got here except yeah. we were talking about social laws. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Social and, laws. And how we want for them and even the rebel yeah. wants for the social yeah, law. There sure. we go. Yeah, exactly. And I think when we look at the laws, the law of God or the moral laws or just those kind of laws in general, they, they we, we can look at them as restrictive and that's because we're like, we are freedom obsessed. We're freedom junkies living mm-hmm. in the Western modern world to a degree. Like we love for freedom when it means that we can do what we want to do. We hate freedom when it means other people can do what we don't want them to do. So right. we're all a bunch of hypocrites when it comes to that. Right. But, but the law of God, looking at it as restrictive is the wrong way. I think to look at it as corrective, mm-hmm. right? It's, re- it's redemptive. Right. It's, the created order, the created order, including human beings, become deeply compromised and flawed at the fall. Mm-hmm. And so the instructional nature of the law is corrective. It's saying, don't do this, do this. Right. right? Live this more healthy way, live this better way, right? So it's corrective. It's constructive as well. So so following the law is actually going to be beneficial for society as well. Mm-hmm. Right? It's going to allow things to operate in a particular way 
and it's going to be harmonious. It's going to provide space for, you know, for for good times, really. Like just to be as, as simple as that, right? Like it's going to it's going to allow people to cooperate on a particular level and to be free within the frameworks of of the law, right? Right. And traffic is a great example of this. Oh yeah. Right. I know this is one of the things that you were going to bring up because um, you mentioned it yesterday. But living living in the third world mm. and watching like living day in and day out in chaos traffic. Mm-hmm. There's so many times when I thought that guy who just cut us off, if he would have let us go, if he would have just been patient, stopped, and let us go, he would have gotten where he's trying to go faster. Right. But he's thinking, <laughs> I got somewhere to be. Right. I've just got to keep pushing forward and pushing forward. And in mm-hmm. doing that, created a jam that now has him slowed down. Right. Where if he would have just left the space, mm-hmm. right, followed the law, all of these things would have worked. Right. Right. And right. so and so there is there is beauty in watching these restrictions, if we want to even even if we want to give them the the position of restriction mm-hmm. or correctives. Oh, yeah. Right? You want to go, but you can't go. You have to stop. Mm-hmm. And just seeing how this order brings about harmony and and flow oh, through yeah. traffic. And someone's probably stuck in traffic right now listening to this, and they're like, <laughs> not feeling I'm not feeling it right now. Uh, or, or, or they're in Ontario, and they're dealing with roundabouts. Um, <laughs> Round- and Mathematically, they're supposed to move traffic quicker. They do. Um, you get more accidents, but less fatal ones. I feel like... That's the reasoning behind them. I feel like every person in a roundabout's winging it. <laughs> well, we're still in the first generation. Yeah. Right? Like, the majority of drivers in this part of the world didn't grow up with roundabouts. Right. Right? As opposed to, like, Europe, right? Like, I remember going over there and being like, this is wild. Like, you're in, like, London or Paris, and they've got, like, five-lane roundabouts. Right. Like, these yeah, massive yeah, yeah. things. Lima's the same. People are just, like, crossing multiple lanes of traffic in a roundabout, and you're just like, what? This is crazy, but... Yeah, about, about four blocks from where we worked in Lima was... Uh, what they touted, I, I looked it up to verify it once. Um, so at least at the time, more vehicles passed through that roundabout than any other intersection in the world. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and it was like, you're right, like six lanes deep. And you just wondered, why would you ever make your way to the middle of that? Right. Why would you, why would you ever do anything? And, and instead of having like four options for, for coming off of it, there were like, six options for coming off it. It was like a spoken hub kind of oh, roundabout it's one of those. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no, it was, that's how they work with the was, big ones. Anyways. It was wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. Oh, man. I never drove through it, but I I went through it in a cab every day. And uh, yeah, there's one, in, there's one in Malaysia. So the roundabout is actually 3.4 kilometers in circumference and has Whoa. 15 different entry and exit points. Whoa. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know how many lanes it is, though. Like, it's got, like, a massive park in the middle of it. But in any case, yeah, like, we, we, well, we were talking even about when we, were, we brought up the subject of traffic. You know, for me, it's like, so I drive, um, I don't know how many, how far it would be, like, 50 kilometers, 30-odd miles, right, back and forth um, to work each way. And I'm driving like 80 to 100 kilometers an hour for most of that time, right? And 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 so like that is like that is death speeds. That is like you you like not guaranteed, but like you hit somebody at that kind of speed, like it's not going to go well with you. And yet I pass dozens of vehicles each way, and I don't live in perpetual fear because we just have this system of traffic loss. And I just trust they're going to stay in their lane. I'm going to stay in mine. We understand what mm-hmm. the right of way is. When we come to a stop sign, we come to a traffic light, when someone needs to pass, everybody knows how to do it. And sure, people mess up sometimes, but it's a beneficial thing that I, I'm not, I'm not terrified, right? Um, right. I would, there are, you know. I don't drive that way. 
I drive pretty defensively. I slow down. If I have a green light, I still slow down going into the intersection. Oh, do you? I just assume someone's going to make a mistake all the time. <laughs> the one thing I always use, I always leave lots of space mm-hmm. between me and the vehicle in front, and I hate it when people tailgate me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, 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 sometimes I'll just slow down. If I feel like someone's falling too close, I'll just slow right down. And hey, pass me, bro. Like if that's what you want. Yeah. Uh, That's my only like road rage. I don't really rage, but I just, I hate it when people tailgate me. So, um, that's that's my one thing. I talked to a structural engineer one time Mm. and he was talking about how the scariest thing in the world to him is just day-to-day traffic. Right. Right. Because his job, his job was to build all of these things that are going to get approved by OSHA, right? Mm -hmm. Workplace safety Mm -hmm. kind of things for those who aren't American listeners. Um, where you just have, uh, you have the safety function, and then you have the backup safety function, and everything is on rails and very tight, mm-hmm. very predictable. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we have people that are the most undertrained and over over certified operators <laughs> of large machinery, right? Going at life taking speeds. And the only thing preventing them from colliding into each other is a painted line down the middle. Right. And they pass within a yard of each other, within a yeah. meter of each other yeah. Yeah. at speeds that would take them both out. Yeah. But they just both know which side of the line they're supposed to be on. And he said it just... It's wild. In his line of work, he's just like, I, I deal with these kinds of things so much that I just can't believe that society still does traffic. <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. Well, it's just a matter of time before they replace it with AI. But honestly, if I can if I can crush a nap on my way to work or read a book, I'm good with that. Like everyone's like, "Oh, self-driving cars, I don't trust them." I'm like, "You know what? Honestly, if I can reclaim that time in my day, gladly." I mean, I don't I don't mind a good drive, mm-hmm. but I appreciate like I like the scenery and that like I don't if my hands don't have to be on the wheel, my feet on the pedals. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. So, like I welcome it. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone, you can look out the window without scaring everyone in the vehicle with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. Well, look over here. If I look, if, I, if the car even just like drifts even slightly, Candace does the, <gasps> right, grabbing the handles and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 But I mean, yeah, I can be maybe too distracted sometimes. I'll, I'll admit. But I, 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 I am, I'm a man enough to admit that. Candace might be a better driver than me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or at least more, she's more dialed in. I'm less dialed in, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm just there for the ride. Where she's like, we have to go here, and then we go here, and then we go there. Um, so usually when we go on long trips, I'll be the navigational officer. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because she can't read a map to save her life. Well, you don't have to anymore. Yeah, she even struggles with that, though. Let's be real. <laughs> Love you, so babe. you're gonna you're gonna Love give her you. a compliment and then throw her under Love the bus. You. Yeah, she's a much she's a she's a she's a better driver. Yeah, I don't saw, give her a map. I saw a meme the other day that said, "Can you believe we used to print out five pages of MapQuest and then travel around the country like pirates?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I almost miss those days. I really do. Yeah, I, I've thought about it a number of times. Like, how did I ever get anywhere? But we always did. We yeah. always found it. My dad had like a book. We had like the the book. Yeah, it was like a hundred pages. Rand McNally. Of, yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, it always was. Yeah, and we used the book to get to Florida, a couple, of, and that's where that was my. Those are my first journeys as navigational officer mm. in the Astro van, sitting in the front seat the before Astro I was van. before I was old enough to sit in there. Although I don't know if they had airbags or not, so whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a, that was yeah. a beaut. Learned to drive that on that car. Okay, have we talked about enough? We've we've we're exactly at an hour. Hold on, hold on. Before you do that, I just want to say, I hope, I hope that if you're still here, you didn't find this a waste of your time. <laughs> this was a fun episode, this was, right? Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, part of what we wanted to do in this was just sort of riff on mm. how we receive beauty in nature mm-hmm. through natural order, through the operations of the, the human experience. And just how those beautiful things themselves can, how they exist within the Christian worldview, mm. right? Because we would say all of these things are put in place by God, right? 
right? Uh, to the degree that uh, Piper would say there's not an atom that vibrates in a mountain outside of the will of God. Mm-hmm. Or Spurgeon would say there's not a mote of dust that flows through the beam of light, which is the more eloquent it way is. of saying it. It is. Uh, I, I understand that mathematically, um, Piper is being more precise, mm-hmm. but too precise. It yeah. Lost the art of it. <laughs> we can all imagine the beam of light coming through the window and the mote of dust traveling right. through, or the, the sort of universe, this ecosystem of these modes, motes of dust traveling through. Sorry, my wife is texting me and it's showing up on the <laughs> microphone. Uh, and and you can just see them floating through. He's like, every one of them holds their place according to the divine sovereignty of God, right? Uh, we believe these things put in place by God in order to show us his control, his order to bring us peace mm-hmm. when we're able to look at the world and say, no, there, this isn't without its order. It's not without its structure. Mm-hmm. It, it can be... Uh, it can be predicted, it can be repaired, mm-hmm. all of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting better and better at that. Really, we're just, and, and I think we should be, mm-hmm. but humanity lost or saved alike mm-hmm. are just still children eager to see what they can learn next. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's a shame when we're not in that mode. It's a shame when we become too jaded Mm-hmm. Or just sort of like breeze past life mm-hmm. and don't take time to appreciate and learn these new kinds of things. Um, but I hope, if nothing else, I hope listening to this episode causes you to just see some of those kinds of things mm-hmm. um, and explore them a little bit in a way that just says, man, God pieced this thing together by creating rules and then making use of those rules in a way that is just... It inspires worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada, and is produced by our good friend and colleague, Alex Walker. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs>